Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. We are back in Westeros and you are being led on this journey by Alpha Mani Bube. And we are going to be talking about season one, episode six of House of the Dragon, or Hot D as uh, DRM calls it. I've been talking about it for such a long time, but we are finally at the time skip. Uh, He's very happy, guys. He's very, very <laughs> happy. You don't I, even know. Ecstatic. You know, it's like, it's so beautiful because we've been following this character for a while now. And then we get to see them all aged up. Even the characters who weren't recast still look aged up. And the characters who were recast, it just feels like a continuation of the exact same, you know, thread that the early actors were started. And it's just beautiful. It is beautiful storytelling. It is beautiful acting. It's beautiful directing. Obviously a beautiful score. And uh, overall, it's just, it's a good time to be in Westeros, basically. Well... Uh, it depends on your family name, but yes, it is a good, it is it is a good time to be in Westeros. Uh, I mean, out of all the houses, I've always felt like a Stark. So the Starks are they, they have nothing to do with any this story right now. So yeah, maybe hopefully they'll get involved later on. But we'll see how now, it goes. I have always been a staunch Targaryen supporter. Really? Maybe I like madness. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, know. Man. Yeah, so it's uh, obviously another episode, and uh, as I talked about in the last episode, it was being directed by one of my favorite directors in the Game of Thrones um, family of shows, I guess, uh, Mitchell Sparshnik, who did, you know, notably most of the big battles in, in Game of Thrones. He did episode one of House of the Dragon, and he did episode six, and he's also going to be in the next episode coming up next week. And we're well, only six episodes in, but this is my favorite episode out of everything that's come so far. Um, I loved episode four. I loved episode one. I honestly, I loved all of them, but this one, I, I'm trying to like gauge whether it's like my, my hunger for the timescape has been so long that's biasing my view. But at the same time, I don't think so. What do you think? I think it's all of the above. I think you are biased, but I also think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> because as we've said before, you know, we've been watching the prologue of the prologue and now this is the main prologue before stuff really starts to get truly intense. And, uh, I think it's fair to say that you're right in this being your favorite because it's probably the best one we've gotten so far. This episode is like an 11 or 12 out of 10. It does everything it needs to do. You barely even forget that. you you like. It's almost as if the fact that there's a 10-year time skip is not even an issue here. Everybody is the same but different. You can see that people have grown, people have changed, but at their core, they're still the same people. And I think that really shines through, especially with Rhaenyra and um, Alicent, who are now played by Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook. And the powerhouse acting in this episode is next level. Like, everything is so immersive. The story is wildly good. You can see how not just the people have become different but the same, but their relationships as well. You can see how certain relationships have grown over the years or deteriorated over the years, plausibly based on things we've already been shown. I mean, the last thing we saw was a very unhappy wedding and we see how that was the terrible event that set the tone for how all these relationships have gone. I mean, even someone like Lena, who seems happy, is decidedly miserable. And if I were Carl, I'd stay far away. But nobody listens to me, apparently. So, um, yeah, it it is, I think, objectively 
the highest quality episode we have seen in the series so far. I'm willing to even say that it feels almost like a second pilot. And I think that lends a lot of credence to the fact that it's breathing new life into the show. And that's saying a lot since the show was already alive and kicking in various ways. I think the directing was amazing alongside the acting, the visual effects. I mean, this may be the most dragon content we've gotten as well. Um, not just in terms of showing us the dragons, but showing us how the dragons affect the story. We're seeing how the characters interact with them. We get to see the process of, you know, young potential dragon riders bonding with their dragons. If we get all of that, we get political intrigue. We get introduced to villains who've been lurking in the shadows and stay in the shadows because as Davos Seaworth once said, if you're a smuggler and everybody knows who's, who you are, you're probably not doing it right. So I think there's a lot to be said for Mr. Club. And uh, yeah, we get a lot of action from Big Man Chris, who is still heartbroken and dumb. But uh, I guess he's not the only person who's dumb in the episode. So yeah. 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 So big also that, that I would like to note is that so one of the characters who I love, but I hate, but I love, but I hate is Alison Hightower. And I feel like there are three periods, there are three versions of Alice, um, um, Alison Hightower we've seen over this six episodes. There's the earlier, which is French and Rainier, and she's a bit shy, unsure of herself, nervous, picking at her nails. And then we have at, in the end of the last episode where she finds out Rainier's truth and shows up at the wedding in the green dress. And then we see this current Rainier and, um, sorry, Alison. In fact, the later half of Alison's and in episode five and Alison's episode six almost seem like they're the exact same person, even though they're portrayed by two different characters. I just thought it was beautiful, unbelievably beautiful. And to take it one step further, I felt like um at the end of the episode that um was the actor who plays the older version of Alison again? Um Olivia, Olivia Cook. Cook. Olivia Cook has this moment where Clubfoot obviously breaks where she finds out what Clubfoot had done, which we'll talk about in more detail later on in the episode, where I felt the character regress to her like episode one, two, three phase. And like that was one of the most beautiful things in the whole in I've seen in, in all six episodes. And I think that that scene is why I mean, a lot of stuff happened in this episode, but that scene of her realization and her reverting to, to a character, uh, to a different phase of herself, even though it was portrayed by different characters, something that just stands out for me out of everything else. Synchronicity, you know? Don't you just love when people pay attention? You, you love to see it. You love to see it. But let's jump right in, uh, to the episode. So we start with the theme song. And the, the theme song is the same, but as we had not talked about, you know, earlier, it shows the bloodline. And now the family has grown. There are, there's a whole new generation of kids. And if you pay attention to the um, theme song, you'll notice new blood branches. So if you have time, go compare the episodes. You definitely um, have time. You're here six. listening to this because, <laughs> because you love this. Okay, go yeah, watch exactly. that stuff again and so check out the new the people. Theme song and check out the new people. I've watched it like maybe two, three times and I still haven't like gotten everything all figured out in my head. But there's some, there were some that I noticed because of the sigils and stuff like that. So it's there's a new theme song. And, uh, sorry, not a new theme song, but it's a new, the new graphic attached to the theme song. And it, it, it does something that I think is beautiful, which is highlight the genera- generational nature of the Targaryen family. When we first started, we were talking about Damon and his brother and Rhaenyra. Sorry, Viserys, Damon, Rhaenyra. And then those are the three people fighting for the throne, if you look at it that way. And now it's been almost, you know, 15, maybe even 20 years since the pilot, um, happened. And now there's a whole new generation. And there's a, there's a sense of generational conflict being, um, um, happening here. You know, we have small strikes that happened 15, 20 years ago playing an active role in the politicking and the reality of 
rule and succession, you know, to people who were not even alive when those events took place. You know, mm-hmm. talking about inherited guilt. Sorry, not inherited guilt, guilt, but inherited com- conflict and, um, you know, inherited hatred, inherited vitriol. Inherited Thank you. Exactly. And um, sometimes it's not even as, as, as obvious, you know, there's a scene with Aegon, which we'll probably talk about later, you know, that highlights that a lot, um, uh, uh, how he just views her in here. Like, yeah, sure. She, she can be queen. I'll back off. Or her mom doesn't see it that way. Her mom, his mom doesn't see it that way. And his mom, Alison, doesn't see it that way because her dad doesn't see it that way. And her dad was the person who started all this conflict, um, you know, over 15 years ago. And um, that generational nature of this, you know, dynastic, dynastic dispute is... Um, is, is, is very well tackled in this episode. I do find it interesting that uh, when the story started, George and, and one of the on the shore and were trying to figure out where to start to tell the story from. Because you could start from this episode, to be fair. Like I said, it, it does feel like a new pilot, right? Yeah, it, it is the second pilot. That, yeah. That's how you know, they, they, um, HBO and the showruns have discussed it. Mm-hmm. But they also discussed, you know, starting from Jaehaerys, when Jaehaerys was the king. And Jaehaerys was the king before Viserys. Too much. With, uh, exactly. That would have been too much information. And, you know, because it, it would just have been so much to follow. But I feel like they just, you know, they goldilocked it. They got it just right in this place where you feel uh, an appreciation of what came before an understanding of what is happening and a, a, a certain amount of like foresight on what is to come. Yeah, and, you get a sense of Jaehaerys' heart. Like you can see what he was trying yeah. to pre- present. Yep. And I think we, we get a lot of contrast actually by this point in the series between him and Viserys because as Lionel told him, he's been doing a fairly good job of carrying Jaehaerys' legacy yeah. and keeping the kingdom united. But we see that, you know, Jaehaerys did all of that by being a man of action, in a sense. And Viserys is a man of inaction in a lot of ways. I yeah. think that, yes, the kingdom is doing well with him on the throne, but I feel like a lot of it is not necessarily to his doing. You know, I think he's not necessarily feeling upwards, but I think the kingdom is kind of stagnant in a way. That Targaryen growth and prosperity that we saw at the start of the series is a direct result of everything that Jaehaerys had done to repair the kingdom after Maegor. And while the kingdom is still enjoying a lot of that, I don't think it's necessarily growing either. Um, I don't know if we'd necessarily call Westeros capitalists, but in a capitalist economy, if if the economy isn't growing, it's probably dying. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot to be said for how little Viserys has under his control. I think we see through the interactions of the episode that nobody really is in control right now except maybe Laris but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it I'm going I'm just okay I'm I'm going to say it we'll get to him <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah and I just I I feel like watching him I mean the fact for example that Allison is on the is on the small council now you know that tells you how her investment has really transitioned into being very political. Yeah. We, we see that Rhaenyra is there because, you know, not just because she wants to be seen doing stuff as the heir to the throne, but she also wants to make sure that Alison can't say things without her being present. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot of push and pull. And I think most people in court right now are honestly just waiting for Viserys to die. Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't realize that yet. I mean, he's re- really, really enjoying his happy time. I mean, he's watching these kids 
fight and build festering bonds of hatred and he's looking at lionel as he drinks he's like this is gonna make them it's gonna make them friends they're gonna gonna have such happy times and they're gonna gonna have such a strong bond i mean i i i see where he's coming from and i know that he wants everything to be good but my issue with him is he's gone from making bad decisions to making no decisions at all right yeah he is a peacetime king and now he's just not really doing much to keep that peace in place. I think that on some level, if he really wanted Rhaenyra to succeed him, if he wanted to make sure that it was the case, as he's told her he would, you know, he would have put certain measures in place, ensured that challenging her would be against the law. He would have ensured that anybody who is trying to be a challenge to her would be checked, whether by force or by negotiation. He may have even considered abdicating the throne towards the end of his life to ensure that she was placed upon it smoothly, without any contention, and in a way that's established such that she can still receive advice from him up until the point where he passes away. And by then, everybody would have time to get with the program, including, you know, Allison and her, and her sons. But we see her feeding that same vitriol from Otto into her own kids. I mean, Aegon is busy jerking off out of windows. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't even acknowledge that, by the way, which is hilarious. Makes me wonder how many times yeah. she's seen him do this. <laughs> she comes in and she's really pouring that like poisonous Kool-Aid into into his ears and down his throat. Yeah, he just well, he just wants to chill, and he's he, and she's like, "You are the threat." He's like, "Really? I, I mean, I thought I was just chilling." <laughs> you know, th- there's so much to discuss with these kids, but I feel like Viserys just isn't doing enough for everybody who is depending on him and. Yeah, his deterioration just continues to to progress. Now he's, I mean, he's he's lost his left arm <laughs> for the most part. He right? actually lost two arms this episode. He lost his left arm and and the strong father and strong his hand of the king. Yeah, true. His hand of the king. He lost two hands this episode. Oh, Lionel. But uh, that uh, that uh, the small council meeting was so interesting because I felt for Rhaenyra. She had just given birth, and then now she has to go to work. It's like, a deal with this nonsense. After. Like, literally, like, first of all, she gave birth, and literally seconds after she had just pushed a living child out of her body, her evil stepmother summoning her to make sure, to, 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 to basically spot, look at the child to tell if it's, like, has Targaryen features or if the child is, you know, another child of uh, having strong um, break bones, which is what uh, everyone suspects, and probably is true and then after she has to deal with her evil stepmother she has to go to work probably the same day and then take more shit from her like, i feel for her man she she probably shouldn't have had three children with him but follow your heart you know i, I have an agenda and i'm i'm, I'm blind on it's, this it's just I, i'm like the same uh, okay <laughs> i'm blind let me let me just okay i'm gonna just wipe if you're blind let me just wipe my glasses for a moment because i'm just I, there's stuff to be said here number one I understand that she and Lino have an agreement. Number two, I understand that despite this agreement, they still need to bring forth heirs. I get that Lino would not want to sleep with her because, you know, she isn't exactly his preference in terms of people to sleep with. But they had agreed to sort of try and make it work, at least just for, I don't know, for the sake of appearances, right? But I guess they came up with a new new agreement of sorts where they have this new person and he is kind of being the one to bring forth their kids. I mean, you can see from the way they all relate to each other that Leno is probably aware of what's going on. You can see that nod he gives Harwin when he leaves the room. Yeah. Like, he gets it, and he knows, but how... 
all, all three of them, Rhaenyra? Three? <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I, I hear you. All three of them. But at the same time, even if those kids were, like, Leonor's kids, it would not have changed anything because Alison would still have had that same viewpoint. Yeah, th- that's the thing. And I know she, she, she knew that, and that's why she, she sort of, like, let it go. But, like, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. I, I, funny enough, I feel like if, if it was, if, if the three children looked three different ways, then we'd have an even different problem here because yeah. Alison would just have a new angle. Yeah, it's just like she has three different, you know, suitors. But like, there's ev- there's evidence of what should be. That's the problem, because we because we see that with Damon and <laughs> and 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 Lena, right? <laughs> that they have twins. Like, we see exactly what their kids are supposed to look like. Like, it's it's very clear. Like, it's not like there's no benchmark for this. Like, yeah. we we know all these people have met. <laughs> so, we know yeah. for a fact that everybody knows this is what these kids should look like. And yeah. Rhaenyra's kids come out looking like Robert Baratheon. I mean, <laughs> bruh, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it, it's hard for people to, to stomach. I mean, I know Alison isn't doing this out of any sense of morality. This is, this is completely all boiling down to her vindictiveness. She's still mad about being lied to 10 years ago. She mm-hmm. still wants to make sure Rhaenyra goes. But, Venera is unfortunately making it very easy, right? Yeah. Alicent's agenda right now is to ensure that Rhaenyra's claim is as contested as possible so that Aegon's claim is bolstered. And yep. Rhaenyra isn't really helping matters by giving um, Alicent ammunition to take to Viserys. The only thing I that's agree. good for her here is that Viserys is not exactly in a mood to, I don't know. To, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he just doesn't want to get into it. I mean, exactly. at first it seems like he's like he doesn't know what's happening. But, you know, we find out from his conversation with Allison that he does have a pretty good idea no, what's happening. Yeah. But he just knows that the consequences would be dire. I think it's good mm-hmm. to see that he's not senile. He still has eyes. He still has ears. And he still has a working brain. His mind is still there. But he's deteriorated so much that nobody respects him as a source or symbol of power anymore. And his only real use in terms of power at the moment is ensuring that Rhaenyra is fine. Yeah. You know, she's been staying here she do- because she doesn't want Alicent feeding poison to her father about her. And that's what's been keeping her in this place despite her potentially wanting to leave for God knows how many years, right? But eventually she does leave and we're just going to have to see how well that works out for her because, yes, she wants to go away from all the gossip and stuff, especially since Harwin isn't there any longer. But I don't know if now is a good time to leave because you're essentially leaving yourself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You're, if you're not around, Alison is able to do a lot more stuff without you being present. And yeah. that could lead to a lot of problems, problems that will be very difficult to deal with without violence. You know, so exactly, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. Those kids are definitely all black. I, I call it the Michael Jackson syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> oh my I god! <laughs> like, you know, whatever. But those kids are black. That is <laughs> crazy. But in honesty, oh my god! Yeah. I love how nobody ever explicitly says, you know, that the children are Harwins. Like it's yeah, never explicitly mentioned. I don't think any. I don't think even Allison explicitly says who it is. No. Um, no. Kristen is probably the person who comes closest to doing so, but even Harwin himself doesn't. Damon, Damon, Damon was. Yeah, oh yeah, da- yeah well, da- Damon, Damon said that they bear a strong resemblance to him. That's the closest we got, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because he's clearly bitter on more, on more than one frontier, but yeah. But I, I, I think, I think it's it's funny because he's like Harwin is there. He interacts with these kids. 
He kisses the baby on the forehead. Like Lena leaves them alone to be a family. And it's just <laughs> it's such it's such weirdness. And and, and I mean the, and it's so heartbreaking to me when when Jaserius is like is Harry strong, my father, or am I a bastard? It's like, yo, this kid yeah. is nine. The fact that he knows to ask these questions means you've done something yeah. wrong, Rhaenyra. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, no, Rhaenyra can never do anything wrong, just FYI. But, you okay. know, I, okay. I understand what you mean. I understand. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but no, the, the episode starts off with Rhaenyra giving birth. I think this is, uh, by the end of this episode, we've seen three childbirths, I believe, or is it four? It's Emma, Rhaenyra, and Lena, who we'll talk about later, obviously. Yeah. Um, I might be missing one, but like in Game of Thrones, I don't. How many childbirths did we see? We saw kind of Lyanna give birth to Jon Snow, and yeah, you know, I can't think of that many shows which just like normalize you know childbirth. And when I think about like this world, West we kind of saw Daenerys. Oh yeah, Danny um, giving birth. To, oh, who knows? Is it the dragons? Rego. Yes, her son. Is her she? son with Khal Drogo. But no, no. What I mean is like so. In 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 getting with Danny, they kind of just left it up to our imagination. But in, mm-hmm. in House of the Dragon, we've seen three scenes yeah. where like it showed us like what the reality is, and all three were, all they all had one was looked complication free, and the other two had complications which were handled in different ways, which we'll talk about obviously. But like I feel like it's there's a lot of it, 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 a lot of the women in, the, in this world of watch shows. Their purpose is to just give birth to, ch- to children, and that is one of Alice in Hightower, in my opinions you know, beefs with Rhaenyra, how she's sub- subverting this, like, base expectation and trying to be her own woman. And um I, I just thought it was interesting because, like, once Rhaenyra gave birth, Alison was, like, summoned the child to come. But Rhaenyra is obviously a proud person. And the determination that she showed to be like, no, I'm not going to give my baby to, like, some, you know, wet nurse or a nurse or something. I'm going to carry this baby myself after just giving birth. Playing the game. How much of a badass I am. I was so proud of her. I was so proud of her when she when she climbed those stairs. Like, I, I swear I like other characters in this show. I don't have a blind agenda. <laughs> but, like, this episode just, like, sealed a lot of the reason why I love Rhaenyra Targaryen. Yeah, but it's just... The relentless politicking, though, like it, it, yeah, it, it yeah. makes it a little bit like stuffy, you know, because she has this child and then immediately, immediately the queen wants to see him. It's like, okay, yeah, why, why, Alison? Like, I understand <laughs> that you have a whole thing as, of like, oh, yeah, she's, she's birthing bastards and filling the red keep with them, but like, really, like, immediately, I think she, I think her goal was to have the child be brought. And then she could kind of put her accusations in the king's ear without anybody being there to stop her. But Rhaenyra is like, I know what she wants to do. And that's why yeah. I'm going to go up there myself. Yeah, that's why I'm going to go Tracking up. blood all over the place. It's, it's Literally, man. She was, that's like an element of determination. I'm like, badass. And you know how motherfuckers like uh, Leno and um, Viserys asking, oh, did it hurt? Or, oh, what nonsense. I'm like, man, you don't shut up. <laughs> It's like I took a spear to the shoulder. I took an arrow to the shoulder once. It's like if I slap you, what do you want? Do you want a cookie? Like, yeah. But Alison obviously did all that just to look at the child to see if it had the Targaryen looks, which it didn't. And obviously that built and built ammunition for Alison so she could weaken the claim, Rhaenyra's claim. But like I said earlier, it's like she would have found another reason to do that. She would have found another way. I feel like all that. I mean, Rhaenyra's obviously giving her ammunition to push her agenda, but like. The ammunition is not what caused the agenda. There's like something underlying, you know, this beef that they've had, um, you know, regarding her lying, cooking up for Kristen Cole, getting her dad fired, and all of that just plays a role into like making Allison's look for ways to, you know, discredit her. I mean, look how she was talking about like, um, 
um, Rhaenyra's children, calling them wild and shit, like, as if all the kids didn't grow up in the same place. Like, they all grew up together. So why all of a sudden? Yeah, why are you calling uh, them savages? Why are they savages and why are your kids? Like, have some, have some really shame. Giving, <laughs> exactly, man. It's really, really giving, like, all these, like, Nigeriana, you know, African. I said it. She's bitter. Called it, man. Called it. But still, uh, the, the, you, you, I'll be amiss if I if I didn't say it. like I I can understand why she she does those things. I disagree with them, but I can kind of understand why a person could be pushed to do those things. Yeah, because she believes that her children will be in danger if she doesn't. You know, Otto made her yeah. believe that Renera would kill these kids. I don't think like it's yeah. actually such a huge like logical jump. Yeah. To say that the Renera you know the Renera we've been seeing would like order the death of children. Like yeah. It makes sense that someone like Otto would come up with that. He's a he's he's a scheming, conniving old white guy that lives in Westeros from privilege. Like it, it just makes sense that he would think that. It's probably what he would do, but yeah. that's not what everybody is like. And yeah, exactly. I I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a series where abuse and hatred just get passed down to the children because these ideas are instilled into them without them even knowing what's happening right um no child is born hating but we can see that you know Aegon and Aemond are forming this sort of mini coalition against their nephews and they all want to be friends on some level at least um Jason Luke would like to be friends but yeah there's just this bullying that's going on I mean yeah Allison blaming the whole pink dread pig situation on Rhaenyra's kids is just dumb when she knows in her heart that like they don't have it in them to do something like that it would definitely have been Aegon I like that Viserys acknowledges it but he does again he doesn't he doesn't do enough you know you're watching that scene it's it's really important for us to pay attention to Aemond and what this is doing to him you know we see that it makes him willing to take certain risks that he shouldn't be taking yeah we see that it's instills in him a sense of um sort of false stoicism it's it's like he's trying to be hard but but he's but he's not he's growing up a bit too fast and he's and he's he's making these leaps of growth mentally you know i don't know how i feel about helena i don't know what she's been up to I don't know why they went out of their way in the episode to portray her as such a weirdo, but <laughs> but um, I I like that she has something she's interested in, even if it's bugs. Yeah. Um, I have theories on that one. Maybe maybe she's been spending a lot of time with with Laris, you know, maybe, because I think he's I think he's into insects as well on some level. We we, we see the beetle on his on his walking stick. On his sigil, yeah. We see the beetle on you know the the pins worn by his thugs that he sends out to do his dirty work. Yeah. There's there's a lot going on with him, but like I said, we'll yeah. talk about him soon enough. Okay, my theory, and this is this not in the books or anything, I don't think it's been covered in any of the material, but I really think that she might have like prophetic dream powers, like the kind that, um, um, what's the dreamer? Dennis. Dennis the dreamer, yeah. the one who told the Targaryens that they should leave Valeria because they're about to get destroyed. I think that she might have those kind of powers. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's very tinfoil at this point, and I right. guess we'll see if I'm right or wrong, but I kind of think just the way she was acting, man. I feel like she knows something that, like, we don't know. Maybe. But I'm very curious about that character. You know, speaking of tinfoil, we should bring up those rats I've been mentioning. <laughs> okay. So if you remember in the last episode, it would be rightly pointed out there were rats. Was it the Cemetery's room? 
um, it was in Versace's room um, while he was sleeping with Alison. Yep. There was another one when Rhaenyra was going to meet Damon and she was passing through Beleriand's um, skull room. And, Course, yep. and we, saw, we saw the rats there. And then we, you know, we saw another one lapping up um, Joffrey's blood, Joffrey Longmont's blood after, after the, the wedding violence. Yeah. You know, I've been wondering because uh, this is Game of Thrones. And I think with all this very well-written politicking we may forget that um this is quite a magical world and i say forget with quite a grain of salt because there are literal dragons flying in the skies every episode Um, (laughs) but i think i think it's good because like we've seen we kind of accepted the dragons as like a a magically consistent part of reality but there's certain other aspects of magic that we haven't seen for a while in game of thrones like skin changing and green seeing Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we we've seen we've seen this before in the original series. You know, we know that Brown obviously became the three-eyed raven, who is like the most powerful green seer. And the previous three-eyed raven, his name was actually Brynden Rivers, and he is a Targaryen. He was a Targaryen anyway. He was the son of um, Aegon the Fourth, and he um, his mother was um, a Blackwood, Betha Blackwood, who was said to be the most beautiful woman in the kingdoms at the time. Now. Um, He's half Valyrian and half, not just Westerosi, but Westerosi that has the blood of the first men. He said a lot of the time that in terms of um, skin changing and all these, some of these magical powers, the people tend to be kind of frail, but they have lots of magical power. We know Bran, Bran was small. Um, Brandon Rivers himself wasn't, wasn't necessarily the, mo- the biggest built guy, but he was really, really smart. While he was alive, he ended up being Master of Whisperers. And he ended up becoming becoming Lord Commander, the King's Guard, uh, not the King's Guard, the the Night's Watch as well. Before disappearing beyond the wall and living inside a tree until he run until Bran runs into him like 150 years later. So the dude ended up doing quite a lot with his life. And the reason I'm pointing these two people out is because they both have, like I said, the blood of the first man. Now another house that has the blood of the first man is the Strongs, and it is possible. Maybe this is kind of like a like a stone's throw or a heavy reach here, but I think it might be interesting if Laris is actually working into these rats. Yep. And that is how he knows what is going on in the castle at all times. Yeah, that, yeah. So much that he's that it's his job now just to inform Alicent over <laughs> over, over daily dinner. <laughs> like yep. they really became friends. They became allies um since that last episode when they were talking in, in the Godswood. And yeah, he seems to know quite a lot. I mean, let, 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 let's just deep it for a moment, right? He comes to tell Alicent about Rhaenyra receiving that tea. How on earth would he actually know about that? The, yeah. the only way is if Melos told him, but like, why would Melos even do that? Nobody pays attention to the club foot, as you said. Everybody underestimates him. That's why it's easy for him to get away with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's funny that, you know, all these small details get delivered to the right people at the right time to instigate the right yeah. kind of conflict and the person yeah. benefiting the most is Laris. Yeah, it's too convenient. I mean, yeah, I could I could be wrong here, but I think this is this is kind of worth considering because yeah. he's he's doing a lot. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that theory. In fact, just before we started recording, I, I pitched it to the movie and I was like, okay, don't laugh at me in case it's too crazy. And then once I explained to him my theory about how Laris might be woke. I was like, oh, I thought the exact same thing. I was going to pitch it to you. Yeah, um, literally. <laughs> it's nice to see that we're both wearing tinfoil hats. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully there, there are a few people listening to this who who see 
past the craziness and accept that there's maybe a tiny level of plausibility here. I don't know if anything yeah. is going to come of that. But I just think it's very yeah. funny that we keep seeing these rats. I, I, I'm yeah. starting to, I just feel like it's not an accident. Unless they're symbolizing something else, maybe they're symbolizing how the, the kingdom is deteriorating under Viserys and they're like, <laughs> and there are rodents who are just eating away at the situation. Yeah. Who knows? Can we talk about Brickwood for a minute? Because him and Rhaenyra are being loud. Yeah. They, all those scenes with them loud. together are like, bro, like everyone knows what's going on. How can you tell the, 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 the King Consort or whatever Lenor is Yo, I know you just go have this child. Can I can I take a take a look at him? Can I hold him? Uh, you know, like all these and then Lena was like, Oh, let me give you guys your space. I'm like, bro, like uh, what? what is going on? That's here? like the show's best way of just com- confirming. Like, yeah, it, it is what you yeah. think it is. <laughs> <laughs> like Lena obviously obviously Lena knows what's going on, but like he doesn't mm-hmm. care. He's just like living his life. And um, yeah, Brick was a Lena being loud. And obviously it was sad to see him go out the way he did, because I, I just I don't know, man. I like this character. Yeah, I mean it's crazy that like the the strongest people can can just disappear in the most i don't know the most whimpery ways it's yeah in the main story in the original in the in the original telling of things they do die in the fire at Harren Hall, but nobody knows the cause but yeah. people suspected that it was Laris because you know he had the most to gain people also suspected yeah. Viserys. people suspected so Daemon. Yeah. Right? There's, there's. I thought it was Damon, honestly. Yeah, there are a lot of ways. The only thing is, I, I don't know how Damon would have gained, um, from any of this. Yeah. Really, yeah. except that, he, except that he would become, he would be a new candidate again for Hand True. of the King. But True. I think right yeah. now Damon is trying to pull all that behind him. You know. Yeah. I, I think. Long story. I think it says quite a lot about Laris that he could do something like this. Like he yeah. sent, like he, he sent these guys to kill his father and brother. Yeah. In Harren the Black's castle, and you know, there's a thing that's said in the original series that you know Harren Hall is cursed. It's one rumor that everybody accepts as fact because every family that has ever taken up rule of Harren Hall and the lands around it, every family who's gone to hold it as their seat, has come to ruin. And you know, we can see here that it's the case with the Strongs, and that is kind of wrought about by what Laris has done here. If Lionel didn't go to Harrenhal, maybe only Harwin would have died, you know? Yeah. But I think Lion I think Laris did this because um both Lionel and Harwin went there exactly. because he Super wanted to Yeah, because he, he, he wanted to make it easier for Allison to have what she wants. And that just shows how kind of weird he is. Like she's like, yeah, I miss my I, w- I miss my father. I wish he was here. He could defend me. Most normal people would hear that and be like, I don't know, call him. Send me text. <laughs> like, do you have you have ravens? Let's use them. But he's like, yeah, oh, okay, I see. Not, and then he kills his dad and brother. So Viserys is forced to look for a new hand. I mean, yeah. first, it's, that's even a gamble in itself because how yeah. do you know he's gonna choose Otto Hightower? Like, yeah. it, it's it's just I don't know. Maybe he wants it for himself as well. Maybe he wants to be considered for hand, yeah. and he 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 very well could be. But now you know, Allison owes him a big favor. So one of those Literally. things where like somebody does a favor that nobody asked for and now they're kind of stronger on the people they did the favor for yeah. into like owing them one in return yeah. and yep Co- yeah it, played the game really well because yeah he, he did he, he became the at least i don't know if he's a lord of harren hall now but let's just assume he, he definitely is i mean hall. he's the de facto lord of harren hall he's, he's the, the only he's the only heir left exactly so he becomes a lord of harren Har- Har- but he traps a bigger fish which is Allison, because now Allison feels like she's complicit and he's asking her actions obviously she didn't express it and Allison's didn't seem to Kristen. <laughs> literally so Allison 
Well, thought you were playing the game. I, like we said earlier, like you know, sometimes you're the chess player, sometimes you're the chess piece, and Allison Wearley's both because she's yep. a chess player in a way because she's making moves. But at the same time, Larry's just like, so like, yo, you think you you think you're slick, huh? And also, I, this is a bit, I don't know if this is tinfoil, but like, Laris's name is Laris, right? L from Littlefinger, Iris from Varys. You join those two together, you get yeah. Laris. I mean, I might we might as well just accept that because I was literally, <laughs> I was literally just about to say that if Varys, like, I've been th- I've been thinking about it since I watched the episode. Honestly, if Varys and Baelish became one person, they wouldn't be half the conniver that Laris Strong is. Yep, like. He is doing all this calmly without even lifting fingers, bro. He yeah, cut these guys' tongues out so that even if they were caught, they wouldn't be able to speak of any of it. Like they exactly. mo- they've just become his silent killers. Exactly. And for him right now, it can only it, it can only go up because he has everything to gain. It doesn't seem to have nothing to nothing to lose. I mean, that's what he's mm-hmm. saying in his speech to her. Yeah. This whole time he's talking about how children are a weakness. All of that drama in that speech just to say, yeah, I don't want kids. <laughs> <laughs> And then he smiles right at the end. Like that is yeah. that is cold blooded, bro. It, it literally is. Even I didn't even see it coming because I thought that so in the in the text like of Fire and Blood, um, Breakbones does die in a fire, but like his dad dies of a sickness or old age or something. So when I was seeing them going to Harren Hall, I almost didn't like. I was like, I, I mean, I, it didn't. I didn't. Occur, it didn't occur to me what was happening until it was yeah. happening. I was like, holy shit. This dude, I want like, cause when I saw the men standing on the cliff, I was like, I saw, the, I saw the beetle badge, and I instantly paused the video. I mean, like, and I hmm. rewound it. I was like, what the hell is that? Cause it, yeah. I, it, I forgot that his sigil was a beetle or uh, yep. or, or uh, cicada or whatever bug that is. And then one, the fire just started. I'm like, wait, I, I think that's what you should always ask yourself when anything happens in House of Dragon. Who has the most to gain from this situation? Exactly. And it was obvious that it was was Clubfoot. He's a, he's a definitely an interesting character from this. Um from this uh, period. His skin, he makes me, skin makes me crawl, or he makes my skin crawl, but like, I'm curious to see where his story goes. Uh, I feel like we're going to see more. <laughs> Speaking about how stories are going and um, Allegiance is kind of forming, what are your thoughts on Big Man Chris this episode? Okay, so Big Man Chris, that move he played on like Brick Bones was actually kind of like, a, it was an ace move and Big Bones was being an idiot. You gotta hold your cool, man. So, exactly, man. Composure, composure. He was not composed there. He like fumbled the ball. I'm gonna say he fumbled the bag, but he fucked up big time. But like Big Man Chris, well, hashtag Sim Daddy, hashtag whatever Bankley called him. Right, I forget Bankley. You can just insert the phrase here. So Kristen Pussy Cole. But like Big Man Chris was is vindictive. It has been ten years, and like he's literally even more angry now than he like, was. Like it's crazy. When she showed up, he's like princess yeah my my god like it's 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 just this sad spectacle of, of him projecting because yeah. you know he sinned once he's like the white cloak was all i had to my name and now it's nothing like i don't even have that anymore yeah he wanted her to run away with him so that he could create some semblance of honor that and they could live together above board as if it would erase the it fact would, that he broke his vows exactly, exactly and now he's 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 taken that sin and he's now trying to ensure that nobody else is offered the grace that he himself yeah, was offered. It's like he's man, projecting. He's, he's he's just like Alicent. Like Alicent feeds into his agenda and he feeds into Alicent's agenda. Like they've become very collaborative. And I think he's worse. That I, this, yeah, this, this is the relationship that I, you know, I was expecting to see portrayed. I didn't think they would be so strong in cahoots at this point. I thought that would come later. But yeah, we, we've seen how that's developed over the past 10, 10 years. Yeah. You know, he, 
he 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 cuts his hair. He's keeping his vows, but he and he thinks he's smart now, but he's not. He's, he's not, out man. here furthering Alison's agenda, teaching only her sons, wearing green, by the way, folks, mm-hmm. to fight. And he's allowing Jason Luke to just be duds. Like Harwin was right, you know what he needed, to, what he was doing was needed. Yeah, you know, Jason and Luke need to be. They need to be trained properly. They are princes. They are heir to the thrones. They're they're heirs to the throne right now before Aegon and Aemond. Mm-hmm. And despite all the contention of, you know, who's actually going to become the heir, blah, 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 that's the situation we have right now. And not equipping them with the same the same way you're equipping Alison's children shows where your own allegiances lie. And it shows yeah. that you're bitter. And the fact that Viserys is just watching and smiling, it's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, no, you should, well, like, you should see what's going on. Your children are beating up your grandchildren for no reason Literally. other than to other than to entertain big man Chris. Yeah. And Harwin has to come and step in. I mean Yeah. If Harwin didn't do what he did, like God knows like God knows what, what Aegon would have done. I mean, yeah, it was it was um like wooden swords, but it was still, still very dangerous. Still, it was not okay. It was still like, very dangerous. Yeah, and and there's also like he's a few years older than him, but like I don't know. So with like the thing about like Sim Daddy was like when so we record the show on Mondays, and like after the last episode it was on Sunday night. You know, I, I I think I was fixated on what happened in earlier, like him professing his love to Rhaenyra for the wrong reasons and asking her to run away with. Like I kind of understand that, but everything after that and everything that's going on in this episode. It seems like a wild overreaction towards like the symptoms, like, like bro, chill. It's not that. Especially, issue, I, I mean, I hate to be the guy who sits here and says Bakali was right in his rant, <laughs> man, but Bakali was man. clearly right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I, I don't know, man. Like, I thought that there would be some, some kind of redemption, some nothing, recovery man. for Kristen, but there's nothing like. Nothing, man. He just, I, I really hope he's able to like stabilize and like realize. He's, he's going to stabilize. Yeah. In his bitterness, <laughs> he's going to continue being vindictive. It's all going to come together, and Man. nothing will be right with the world again. But homeboy well, I don't just know. imagining Let's see. like things and ugh, whatever. I, I don't. We should talk about all characters and give them a fair point. But I feel I don't like I don't like Kristen Cole. Like I remember he was introduced, such a charming character. I already didn't like him then, but I was like, oh, let me just. Smile he's a thug. Homeboy's a thug, man. He's, He's a thug. thug. I've seen more and more of that as as time as, as um time goes on. But you were talking about the scene with the training in the yard, and it has I actually enjoy seeing. So if you look at the casting, you can tell that some characters are cast multiple times for different time periods. And some of the characters yeah. I'm not going to talk about specifically, who, but some of the characters in the episode were, were still going to be cast um to see more of them. And I'm but I love the introduction of uh, introduction of of, of of the kids in in the episode. Like it's lovely to see. Like I've been how, looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, me too. It's like obviously seeing that you know those kids, um, Rhaenyra's kids have the Michael Jackson kid syndrome. Then <laughs> on the other half, you see Allison with her kids who are like stark Targaryens. Like these dudes could not be more Targaryens if their if their parents were siblings. You know, it's yeah, just so interesting. Really. And the parents are cousins, though, I guess. Not so. No, no, they're actually not related. Holy shit. They're not, they're yeah, not they're related. Not related. They're not yeah. related. Wow. Hashtag progression. Wow, isn't it? <laughs> wow. But Rhaenyra in the episode, in the small council meeting, um, a good play. She, Rhaenyra tried to you know, propose that her son marries Alison's daughter, merge the house. So that would have been a very good play akin to, a you know. most judicious um, proposition. Yeah, I know. Viserys got so excited. <laughs> he got so excited there. And it was a good. That's actually one of the hard He's part. like, oh my God, yes, please. Please. Like, please. Let me and sleep at night. <laughs> I also want to point out how, like, you know, typically, if you think about all the marriage proposals before, it was always men talking to men. 
because it's a patriarchal society. But this was like, it was a small note, but it was Viserys. It was Rhaenyra talking to Alicent. Because that's I mean, where the power is. Because that's where the power is. Because Viserys is obviously a waste man at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's good to tell. It's, it's good to see. And something else that's interesting is that, you know, technically speaking, even though Rhaenyra's kids are bastards, it doesn't matter because her claim, their claim to the throne is through her. So as yep. the queen, she can always just legitimize them. She's then, still, yeah, and she is their mother. You and know, she's their mother, yeah. And, and they're, it's all kind of laid out for us in the response she gives Jace. When he when he asks about it, it's like is yeah. you know is Harwin my father? Am I am I a bastard? She says you are a Targaryen. That is all that yeah, matters. All Targaryens that matters. do see themselves as completely above things like this. No matter what the situation is, it's like this is beneath us. Yep. And even though her answer all but tells him yes, he is your father. <laughs> it's like it's, it's she's also trying to tell him that that's not something he needs to worry about because yeah. he's is still second in line to the throne. He is right. He is. But yeah, Viserys was so excited at the marriage proposal and. So um, there was this, I watched this interview of uh, Emma, Emma Darcy talking about their performance as Rhaenyra and how they felt that like Rhaenyra felt like her body was betraying her in this weird way. Like when she was like lactating in the small council meeting, having to give birth. I don't think anybody even oh, noticed that. that that much. Alison was a bad builder for pointing that out. So like, no come device. on. No, the vibe. Alison didn't be a bad builder. It's her auntie. Like, come on. Like, she just needs to chill, but I guess she's not going to. But yeah, um, uh, it's their... They, obviously, I feel like I knew that Rhaenyra knew that Alison wasn't going to accept that marriage proposal, but she just had to say, you know, just for 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 saying sake. And Alison literally said, "Over my dead body." <laughs> that that is quite a lie. Potentially, uh, that could be arranged. This could all be solved if she if she just let it go. This could be solved by family therapy. Like when, when we think about it, like what what really is she is she angry about right now? What is her point? Does she even know anymore why she's so annoyed? I'm not sure she's even fully aware. No. I mean, I think she's justifying it as fear for her kid's survival because that is what her dad imprinted on her. So that is what, you know, she's... Imp- I mean, because we talked about it, so she's imprinting that exact same view on Aegon. Aegon literally looks like he doesn't give a shit. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I won't fight for the for the throne ever. And everything. He's like, you're the threat just by your existence. And she's feeding in that same trauma that her dad fed her. And you know, we said generational conflict, you know, people just inherent hate and all these kinds of things. And yeah, the kids are growing up, but like they're still growing up with these the same trauma that was inflicted on their parents, you know, which is why, I mean, I guess it's important as, uh, as, as parents to like try and be, I mean, I don't have kids, but like, you know, if I had kids, you know, you try and break the cycle of inherited trauma and like, Addison isn't really doing that. Rhaenyra, I guess we haven't seen as much of her being a parent, but like, you know, except for reassuring her child that, you know, you are the heir to the throne and it doesn't matter who your dad is because you are Targaryen, you know, but yeah. It's sad to me that um, these kids are going to, you know, grow up taking sides against their own family. Um, But there are are lots of parallels there because we can see that, you know, these people in the end are all the same. The cycle repeats itself, right? I mean, as as, uh, I think someone said, it's like history doesn't necessarily repeat. It's just that human beings remain predictable. Yeah. And, uh, Another thing, at least a more fun side of parallels is the whole thing with the, the Dragon Riders. You know, I like that we got to see Vermax um, bonding with, with, with Jace. Mm-hmm. We, um, I mean, Aemond, a- I hope that the bullying doesn't affect him too much. Uh, we see, I think he, he looks very, you know, distraught in this episode because something that he really wants. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, the dragons clearly do have bonds. I mean, we see, we see a lot of those 
um, kind of dragon and dragon rider relationships throughout the episode. I like how Damon and Lena are riding their dragons just for fun to entertain the Pentoshi people that they're yeah. that that are whining and dining them. And it was very cool to see Vegar. I will say this now: Vegar is the yeah. you know essentially yeah. the. Vigar is like the first dragon to be born to the Targaryen family after they left old Valyria. Like Valyrian the Black Dread was yeah. already alive. He was tiny at the time, right? Vigar was actually born on Dragonstone yeah. after they moved there. And Vigar is a dragon that was ridden by Visenya, who whose sword is actually um wielded today by Daemon, Dark Sister. So it's cool to see all that still kind of in Damon's family. And we know that Lena was obsessed yeah. with um, dragons and flying. She was looking for, for Vigar for a while. And I guess, you know, ask how you shall receive, seek how you shall find, because she, she definitely found <laughs> Vigar. Yeah, and we can see it. how big this dragon is. Like, this dragon is looks like a 747. Like a dragon. And it looks older. Older, wiser. Like, exactly. And it's facial expressions. Yeah, yeah I like how they showed all so that. So Vigar is... Uh, it's beautiful. Like you can tell that this dragon was different just by looking at it. Vegas had four riders, and Lena was the fourth one. And I'm happy she got the chance to like ride that dragon because all oh, like she wanted, she was a dragon rider through life and death, and she wanted to die as a dragon rider, which I guess we'll discuss. I think that's the last part of the episode that we haven't talked about. You know, is the whole Lena Damon in pencils. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I tend to have mixed feelings about it because while I I enjoyed the portrayal of the bond between dragon and dragon rider. I'm not entirely sure about the decision-making process here. Okay. Even though, I mean, it makes sense, but I guess I have questions. Yeah. First of all, um, I like that when she says Dracarys, Vigar doesn't want to do it. Exactly. Because Vigar has lost a lot of dragon riders, yeah. right? And I think we can see that losing that bond that they have actually does something to the dragons. We yeah. know that they are fully sentient. They are magical beings. They are smarter than they look i mean we saw um we saw caraxes wailing in pain when daemon took an arrow to the shoulder yeah right we in this episode see vigar almost asking why yeah when she when she asks to be burned and yeah. eventually like seeing all that pain she decides to grant the grant her master's wish and you know burns her up and it was it's, it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways but what also is heartbreaking to me is, you know, her daughters that are left behind, um, Reyna and Bela, right? We, it's it's weird because she was, like, Lena, um, Lena spends a lot of time talking to Damon about what's going to happen to their daughters, yeah. depending on where they grow up, yeah. um, what they're exposed to, stuff like that. And, you know, she's going through this terrible labor and it's clearly going to kill her, but she looks away and she goes out to find Vigar. Yeah. These guys were talking and I, yeah, it, it is funny. I think it's worth pointing out that Viserys' choice in episode one is the same choice being presented to Damon here. Yeah. Damon laughed about it then, but look who's on the receiving end now, right? I know. That's and so, so poetic. That's yeah, sad. these guys are talking and then they look away and the pregnant lady in labor is gone. First of all, <laughs> everybody, everybody who was there, like, at her bed, attending to her. She'll be fired. Like, what's wrong with you guys? That's number one. Number two, how did she get downstairs and outside onto the beach before Damon? They saw she was gone almost immediately. How did it take Damon so long to come out? Yeah. See, so here, that in that part of me, 
believes that he knew what was doing. So one of the reasons why I always love Damon over Viserys is that when confronted with the same situation, Viserys, like, I, I can picture a world where, again, I don't have kids, but like, you know, a lot of parents would do everything for their kids. And it's possible that if confronted with the same choice, Emma would have chosen to be like, yes, cut me open so that my child may live, not even will live, may live. But Viserys took that um, choice away from her. I like to think that Damon was giving, it's probably not true, but was giving Lena like, a choice. I hope he was trying to give her that choice yeah. um, and give her some agency in, you know, the outcome of her own life. Yeah. But yeah, it, it took him way too long to come out and find her. And then he's, he's, he's looking for her and, you know, he gets there too late. Yeah. And I wonder, like, yeah, it's it's poetic and stuff. She says she wants to die as a dragon rider. Though yeah. most dragon riders don't really die from dragon fire. Yeah. Um, if if they're doing things right, anyway. <laughs> but but yeah, like I I I get that. Yeah. I know that in the in the source material, she does leave the bed. Like all this does happen, and she what's happening is she's actually looking for Vigar because as we like as we've said, you know, even in in this review, she loves to fly. She was obsessed with it. And she's looking for Vigar to fly one last time since she knows she's going to die. To die but yeah. then she dies on the way there. Yeah. Um, she collapses, obviously because of all the pain and blood loss. But um, I guess the show kind of wanted to make it a bit more poetic and dramatic for TV and spectacular for t- TV by making it such that she not only finds Vigar, but she doesn't choose to fly, she chooses to get burned. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting parallel, you know, because... You know, there as we know, there are people out here looking for dragons. Everybody wants to have one, and yeah. you know, she is kind of giving all that up. She's not just giving up her life as a dragon rider, though. She's giving up her chance to ensure that Damon takes care of her daughters because they still hadn't decided what exactly was going to happen. Yeah. So it's kind of like a weird thing. And one of my main questions is, you know, why would she be written to do this when she's not entirely sure what she's leaving behind? Well, I, 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 when I, because we, we they showed her having serious concern about what she's leaving behind, yeah. and she kind of dies unresolved like is the idea here that the pain of childbirth was so much that she just didn't care anymore well i i don't think it's about caring i think like obviously when we look at like life we try and like we want to end things you know cross all the i's dot all the t's and then close the chapter on you know someone on their life but it doesn't always happen that way sometimes death just comes at the time when it's least expected i think that she was smart enough to recognize that this was not going She's had twins before, and twins is a complicated birthing procedure. And she was able to yeah. recognize that, yeah, this is not going well, and I likely will not make it out of this. So at that point, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what her schemes or her plans are for her children. It doesn't matter what you know whether she wants to go home and see her brother again because she knows. Like I feel like she was looking death in the eye and pulled a where she was like, I'm going to go out on my own terms. If I just spoke for you, I'm very sorry. Okay, maybe beat that out. I don't know. <laughs> I give you full agency on that decision. But yeah. Oh God. But anyway. I think most people who listen to this podcast know that um We've already spoke <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well yeah, but anyway. basically just in case you breathe that out, she decides to um she decides to pull a badass move because she she's staring death in the eyes and like she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go out on my own terms. And I think that that's what it was because I mean I thought she was going to try and fly the dragon one more time. But she the fact that like when I saw her say Dracarys, I was like I actually respect you more for this because it's like mm. you're able to recognize that you are going to die either way and all you have right now is a choice in your death. death. It's like Kristen Cole in last episode where he was like, I recognize what I did is wrong and I recognize that you have to kill me, but I ask that you kill and give me a clean death rather than gilding me, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's right. uh, I, I, I view that as a very powerful move. I, I really like the character for that decision. I, I like Lena. I mean, I, I like that whole, I mean, I love Damon too and I feel like with with her, Damon came. It was a different side of Damon. Like seeing Damon with the family, it's just 
it, 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 it touched me a bit. So I was like, yeah, I, I like that whole part was just poetic. And the fact that he was, he, like, he, he, you know, didn't take that choice away from her in the end, you know, I respected it. I think one, one, one other thing that was kind of worth observing for me, at least as far as Damon is concerned, is the way he's sort of tried to pull all this behind. Yeah. Um, in terms of the politics, he wants to be an eternal guest. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, or he's used to being a rogue. And I think that it's worked for him to be that way. And I think he's sort of a bit more level-headed now that he has daughters. Yeah. But he's kind of raising them to live the rogue, unsettled life. Yeah. And Lena is like, this is not what I want for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I agree. And that's, that's the, again, that's, that's why I'm, I'm trying to understand the whole thing of like, you know, her dying before making sure it's done. We know that one of the daughters is, um, is very girly. The other one is, is a tomboy and they're twins, of course. And I think the tomboy one who already has a dragon, you know, she's shown a lot of potential, at least in Damon's eyes. It's kind mm-hmm. of the, one of those situations where like the father is treating the daughter like the son he never had. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, making sure she understands high valerian yeah he's making sure she um she really knows the culture yeah and he's become a lot like viserys you know we saw viserys obsessed with the past before and now daemon is the one who's reading history books <laughs> it's 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 sort of like an, an interesting full circle yeah moment character development we're well over the hour mark at this point and i can get back to the shouting as he always does so one more question i have for you as a short one who do you think played the game best this episode? Uh, definitely Laris the clubfoot man. Yeah, club he's, yeah, same. He is he is like really moving, but I will give an honorable mention to Big Man Chris. You had to take a punch in the face for it, but <laughs> yeah, you know he 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 got done what what he what he planned to get done. Yeah. I mean, he was talking to Allison. We see how close they are now. And she's like, you know, I have to believe that honor is going to prevail. I'm like, shut up, both of you. You're so annoying. But then to kind of further her agenda, he he does what he does. Yeah. And, you know, this guy gets dismissed as commander of the City Watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Lionel, no, um, La- Lionel's son, Laris, played the game the best, most likely. Yeah, same. What is your favorite line? Line. In this episode. Oof, I don't know. Uh, mine is the one about where, where Allison is like, <laughs> you know, yeah, you can do what you need to do, and that's all fine. Maybe after I'm cold in my grave, <laughs> um, I thought that was great, and yeah. it actually reminds me of an on, like another. I'm I'm gonna give an honorable mention to one that's not even from this episode. It's just one that lives in my head rent free. It's when Viserys is like beating up drunk Damon or hungover Damon in the in the throne room. And it's like, you are a plague set to destroy my life. <laughs> I laugh every time. I, th- I just laugh every time I think about it, man. It's, yeah. it's too funny. Yeah, I think mine is um, the series, um, Alison talking to Lena when he's like, um, if you keep at it, you could have like, you have one that looks like you or something like that. I don't know. Ugh, I don't know so shady. So shady. So shady. Especially since Viserys is trying to do the opposite. <laughs> he's like, He's like, yeah, he has his father's nose, which, by the way, he does. He does, just that. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that was kind of Viserys' way of saying, listen, this, as far as I'm concerned, this charge is Lino's. Let's all just be <laughs> Viserys happy. Viserys is Team Rhaenyra, too. He has an agenda, too, and I stand by it. But, um, yeah, thank you very much for tuning on to the Popcorn for the podcast. You know, you can like, subscribe, whatever platforms that you, that you consume this media on. Feel free to share, talk about it to your friends, and uh, feel free to tweet at me if you're also Team Rhaenyra. Hey, tweet at, I mean, tweet at me too. I might be more analytical, but I promise I'm also fun. <laughs> I'm just here for chaos. I don't want peace. 
I want problem. <laughs> yeah, speaking of socials, thank you so much to our social producer, Chandu Heji. Thank you to Bankole for executive producing. Thank you to Jibs and thank you to Ibuka and Amani. We will see you all next week for the next episode of House of Dragon as the chaos continues to ensue. Buckle up, it gets worse. But it also gets better. But it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs>